um, if you remember that. It, it was called Unstuck. And one of the main issues that we talked about um, on during that service is that there are times that we get ourselves in a spiritual rut. Um, the uh, A.W. Tozer, he said, you know, if you're, if you're um, in a rut, there's only two choices. You're either going to rot or you're going to have revival. Um, and many people, many people find themselves in a spiritual rut and they just keep pressing on, pressing on, pressing on, pressing on, even though they're in a spiritual rut. And the problem is, you're going to get tired, and you're going to get cranky, and you're going to get mad at somebody, and you're going to throw your hands up and walk away. Um, a rut will always cause it, a a rut will cause you to get frustrated, spiritually frustrated. You ever been spiritually frustrated? Amen. A spiritual frustration uh, will zap your strength. But so what we're looking at is whenever we get stuck. You can plateau in a ways. Maybe that's a better way to say it. You can, you can hit a plateau spiritually where you level off, where God has called you to go from glory to glory, strength to strength, faith to faith. A lot of people just level. Go, you know, I got this part down and I'm comfortable here and this is what I'm going to do. I've reached a certain level and I'm not going forward. Amen. I want you to know something. That's a lie from Satan. Don't get comfortable where you are because all he's doing by getting you comfortable is he's extinguishing your fire. That's all he's doing. As a believer, you should have a continual growth. Now, you might take three steps forward and one back. You might hit a plateau for a minute or two, but there should be an upward trajectory on your walk of faith. You should be going deeper. At some point, you should be able to understand what a false teaching is. At some point, you should be able to crave to study the Word of God. At some point, you should be able to study for five minutes a day. At another point, ten minutes a day. At one point, you might pray a quick, you know, machine gun prayer. You know, bless them all, Lord. And then, and then as you grow, the Lord teaches you to pray better to pray more effectively, to, to learn what it is to have prevailing uh, prayer in your life so you know that you're able to accomplish what you normally wouldn't be able to accomplish. Amen? And that's only through prayer. That's the only way that those, those things happen. But when you find yourself at a spiritual plateau, uh, don't keep spinning your wheels. Do what you've got to do to experience a personal revival. Uh, personal revival, it comes through uh, just staying faithful to the Word of God, uh, being broken before God, and praying. That's how you experience that personal revival. And, um, and so that's what we're looking at. But I want to show you how we got there, and then, um, and then we'll get out of it. Again, this is the message from this past Sunday morning. And what, what I want you to see specifically is how we got there. Why I chose to minister on, you know, being stuck. Well, first off, that's where the Lord led me whenever I was praying. Is that, is that a lot of us are spiritually stuck. And the, the, the image that God gave me was like quicksand. Or, you know, where you get stuck in mud and you can't go like you used to go. Okay, your motor starts slowing down. Um, the easiest thing in the world is if if you said, okay, what I'm going to do from this point forward is I'm going to be the person that vacuums the church sanctuary. Okay, and if that's and that's all you do, that's good. That's being faithful, but you should always be continually trying to grow at the same time. Don't, don't think that that's all that God has for you. Because God may want you to vacuum the, the foyer as well. God may want to stretch you and vacuum the hallway as well. You know, don't stop where you are. If you, uh, if you, um, you know, teach uh, women's ministry, don't stop striving there. Strive to teach Sunday school. If you teach Sunday school, don't stop there. Strive to teach on a Wednesday night. It, you should always be going forward. Always be going forward if you're... Uh, ministering in the in in song if you're a song if you minister through music 
You should be continually looking for more music to sing. You should be continually going deeper in those things of God. You should be deepening and widening your prayer. You should be deepening and widening your word knowledge, the knowledge of the Word of God. And you should be deepening and widening your faith action, putting your faith into action. Amen? So that's what we're talking about, about not getting stuck. And, and, and so this is where we kind of came to it. Now, now if, if you're stuck like that, uh, that's one thing, but this is taking it to another level. I just wanted to show you how people get stuck, okay? Um, so it started in Ephesians 4, 17, because we're, we're commanded here uh, to not walk like other Gentiles. Other Gentiles is, you know, um, the world, the heathen. Uh, everybody else, you're called to be different. Amen. 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 If if you know you come into church, it separates you a little bit from the world because the world's not going to do that, right? right? And so you're called to walk differently. But whenever you get into a pressure situation where people are talking bad about you or you know people have done you wrong, that's when you have an opportunity to let the light of Jesus shine and not your flesh. Right. And so we're called to not walk like everybody else, to not grumble like everybody else, to not complain like everybody else, to not be bitter like everybody else, to not rebel like everybody else and to not think like everybody else. Everybody else thinks in humanistic ways. Look look at the world right now. Everybody, everybody thinks about everything as Republican, Democrat or, you know, Trump, anti-Trump or Obama, anti-Obama. Everybody thinks along humanistic terms, but you've been called to a higher place. You've been called to keep your mind renewed by the spirit of God and by the word of God. And if you're not doing that, guess whose fault it is? Raise your hand. (laughs) If you're not doing it, it's our own fault. If we're not praying, we can't blame anybody. I can't, I can't blame you for me not praying. What do I got to do? I got to turn off my phone. I got to turn off my computer. I got to turn off the TV. I got to turn off this, turn off that. I can't blame Sister Lindsay. If it wasn't for her, I would know more about the Bible. I can't blame her for that. It's my fault, right? So if I'm not where I'm supposed to be, it's nobody else's fault but me. Many greater men and women of God have been imprisoned and martyred, and they grew leaps and bounds in prison. Not having a library, not having computers, not having none of that. How did they grow? Because they, they were seeking after God. Deeper in prayer, deeper in the Word, and God grew them. That, you know, one of the best works that's ever been written in Christian literature is Pilgrim's Progress. And it was penned behind prison walls. And it's one of the, it's one of the greatest works. Uh, Spurgeon said that other than the Bible, that's his number two book. He has two things on his nightstand, the Bible and Pilgrim's Progress. Amazing. And yet most people haven't even read it. Um, but it was penned behind prison walls. Why am, I, why am I bringing that up? Because that minister, that minister was flourishing, even though his circumstances were horrible. Right? It, we could have perfectly, we, we, we would be all right saying, you know what? If you get in prison, you're going to throw your hands up and say, you know, I, I can't believe I'm here. And then just be complaining, reading law books, trying to figure out how to bend the system so you can get out, and da-da-da-da-da. But what was this guy doing? He was consumed with God. And God used him, and he's had a lasting imprint on Christianity for the last 500 years. Amazing. And then look at us. We can't even turn off our phones or our TVs and pray for five minutes. When is it necessary? Our world is a wicked place. And it is, it is high time for the church to be serious about this. Uh, but what you see is, instead of not walking as other Gentiles walk, we walk like other Gentiles walk. Leonard Ravenhill said um, that it's easier to wear a cross than to bear a cross. You know what it means to bear a cross? It means to actually be a Christian out there. Bear your cross daily. 
It's a lot easier if you had a little cross necklace. You can put that on every day, and maybe you get foul looks, and maybe you don't. It's a lot easier to wear it than to bear it. You bear a cross daily by praying daily. You bear a cross daily by seeking Him daily. You bear a cross daily by growing in the Word of God in knowledge. You, you bear a cross daily by not allowing the world to make you conform to its image. You bear a cross daily by being a Christian, not saying you're a Christian. So I'll modify his, his saying. It's easier to say you're a Christian than to be one. And in the world we're in, it's really not comfortable to say you're a Christian anyways, but it's much easier to say you're a Christian than to actually be one out the doors. I, I still haven't had the liberty to preach one of my most favorite, favorite sermons I ever preached, but it's about God didn't call you to be a double agent Christian. You know what a double agent is or a secret agent like James Bond was 007 or whatever? Or like Batman and whatever his name is on the real world. You know, most of us think inside the church walls we can be super Christian, but then when we go outside, we disguise ourselves as regular Gentiles. We just don't do as bad as they do. That's it. We're, we're sinner light. They're sinners, we're sinner light. They might tell the dirty jokes, but we just laugh at them. Right? Right? They might tell, we don't tell the dirty jokes, we just laugh at them. So they're the bad sinners, we're just sinners light. They might do the wrong thing, but we just don't, you know, say anything about it, do anything about it. Right? We're complicit. If we're sinners light, we are complicit in the sin. Whereas as Christians, we, our lives should be exposing that. Our lives should be exposing things that are in opposition to God. Our, just our very being should expose those things. And yet, it doesn't. Because we're sinners light. Well, you know, when I, I don't listen to bad music, well, when, the, when they say bad words, I turn it off for a minute. Or I mute, it. mute it for a minute. <laughs> come on. Don't we know that, that what comes in is going to come out? Right. Pro Proverbs chapter 4 says, Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. You are supposed to guard what you put in between your ears and down into your heart. It's not God's fault if you sit there and watch MTV all day and then go outside and start talking like those people talk. Don't blame God for that. Right? It, it, it's not God's fault if we listen to junk on, you know, music on the radio and then, uh-oh, that stuff starts coming out of our mouth. Where did that word come from? I hadn't said that word in years. Well, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> we're listening to it daily. And, and, and if, if we're not guarding our heart like that, out of it is going to flow those things. Amen? So you, you might be able to... You, and, and this is a warning, okay? You might be able to mask it for a while, but if you keep allowing garbage in, sooner or later, garbage will come out. You're not, you're, you're not that good. And you know you're not. You can cover your trail, but God can expose it. And He will. <laughs> Amen? So, so we're called to walk not as other Gentiles walk, yet we do, and that's the problem. And once you understand that, now you're going to understand, uh, where's my word at? Lasciviousness. Right there. Okay? What is that word? What does that word mean? That word lasciviousness. Okay, let's read this down. It says, um, you know, they have their understanding darkened, or we do, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. What does that mean? That means that people cut themselves off from the life of God because they won't live right. 
point blank. Um, being past feeling, give themselves over to lasciviousness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. What does that word mean? It means pride manifested. It is pride exhibited. It, it is shamelessness is what it is. So if you, if you get caught red-handed, instead of saying, oh, you're right. If you get caught red-handed, if you're in lasciviousness, you say, so what? That's what I wanted to do. How many of you got a little streak like that? But see, when we're, when we're walking not like the church should, but when we're walking like the Gentiles walk, and we get called out on it, pride rises. Pride rises. Legalist, don't tell me what to do. Right? Pastor telling me not to listen to that kind of music. That's the legalist pastor. Right? Well, what is that? That's pride manifesting. I'm going to do it more. So that's a dangerous place to be. What we're doing when we allow ourselves to get over into lasciviousness, it is just shameless pride. Shameless pride. It is something being exposed and saying, so what? I'm going to do it anyways. What that does is it darkens your understanding and it alienates you from the life of God. And that is a spiritual rut. That's where people get stuck. So many people get stuck and they don't realize it. Just when, it, how many of you have ever been convicted? Now, don't, don't talk about, you know, just don't think about it here, but just in general, there's times in your life when you were doing something that you thought was kind of borderline, but maybe you read it in the Word of God or you heard it in a sermon or somebody said it and it convicted you and said, you know, I probably shouldn't do that, but, but, right? We're going to do it anyways. We're going to do it anyways. There's a little bit of pride there. Because in humility, if the Lord tells you, all right, this is wrong. If we're, if, if we're walking in humility, we say, okay, Lord, I don't want to do anything that hurts you. I'm sorry. But some of us are too worldly-minded that when the Lord reveals something is wrong, we make excuses for it. Well, it's not that bad. Well, I could be doing worse. Well, I'm not the one telling the joke. I'm just laughing. You see how it goes? It's lasciviousness. It is shameless pride. Shameless pride. It is pride manifested or pride exhibited. And, you know, if you, uh, if you want to study this a little bit deeper, um, one of the good uh, lexicons to use is Thayer's. If you'll, you know, a lot of people use Strong's Concordance. Um, Thayer's is really good because they have a really good uh, working definition. Uh, you can also, when you come to the Greek like this, you can also use uh, Kenneth Wiest. Uh, he has very good uh, Greek stuff. But you know what? The, you don't really need all that once you understand what a word means. So that's not, an, that's not a common word, so we just define it, and that's what it means. Um, but it, it really opens it up when you see that all that is is pride manifested. Pride manifested. I, I know there was times in my life whenever somebody you know, said, that's wrong. And I'll say, well, that's how I was taught, and I'm going to keep doing it. That is nothing but pride. And the Bible calls it lasciviousness. So when something is exposed, but you keep doing it, you make excuses and you swell up doing it. Right? So if somebody says, uh, you know, you ought not wear that. Uh, um, you know, my mom did that to me one time. Whenever this is when she was still alive. Um, I was going to church and I was wearing a baseball cap. I wasn't going to wear it into the church. But she said, you're not going to church with that on your head. And in instead of telling her the truth, like, well, I'm going to take it off. I said, I'm going to do what I want to do. And everybody else does it too. <laughs> what is that? Lasciviousness. <laughs> All right? That's a little bit of pride streak right there. Because, you know, I wasn't even going to wear it into the church. But because she confronted me on it, I didn't want to look like I was in the wrong. 
right? And so my pride swelled up. Said, well, everybody else does it. You just don't know what kind of church I'm going to. You can wear your hat in that church. Nobody else did. I wasn't going to. But it was just pride. There was, you know, and we all, we all have those things in us that God has to work out of us. Amen? And, you know, the, our walk with the Lord is a walk. God is continually pruning us and cleansing us and, and growing us in holiness. And so the more you, the, the closer you get with God, don't be alarmed that the more holy He, he instructs you to be. The closer you get with God, the more He's going to expose things. If, if you're not being convicted and, and things aren't being exposed in your life, that means all you're doing is putting Q-tips in for some reason. Changing the channel when you get convicted. Amen? All right. Um, I'm going to leave it right there so that we can get into Galatians. Um, but you got this, and, and the, the three keys are also in this one section. Um, so number one... Um, well, you got to be taught right, but number one is you got to put off the old man, um, and then number two is you got to be renewed in your mind, and then and then you can walk in the new man. Uh, don't forget the order. You can't be renewed in your mind if you first haven't put off the old man. And secondly, you can't walk in the spirit. You can't walk in the new man if you're not taking the time to get renewed first. There is a distinct order to that. And if you get that order out of whack, you're going to end up being a frustrated Christian. You're going to be one of those believers that nobody wants to be around because nothing's working right for you. You're going to be one of those believers that everybody avoids. Amen? And we don't want that. We want to be a blessing to others. Amen? All right, Galatians chapter 5. Y'all got the good stuff tonight. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to open up the Word of God and to study the Word. Father, I ask for your anointing to preach and teach this as you desire. And Lord, we pray for that anointing to receive what you have for us. And Lord, we ask it in Jesus' holy name. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. So we're going to take a, 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 a little section here of the Word of God and begin to break it down. This is probably one of the best parts of this chapter, Brother Prince. Um, but we're going to begin in verse number 16. Uh, so Galatians 5 and verse 16. We're going to read 16, 17, 18, and we're going to camp there for a minute. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. So first and foremost, as, as you're looking at these three verses, uh, the Apostle Paul is highlighting that there is two things uh, that you're going to be operating in at all times. No matter what you do or where you go, whether you're on vacation or you're at work or you're at home or you're in church, you're going to be operating either in your flesh or your spirit. And I would submit to you that far too many people live a Christian life in the flesh. Carnal Christianity, as Paul says in Corinthians. Far too many people live by their senses than living by the Spirit. What do I mean by that? Well, you can tell when somebody's walking in the Spirit because they're Spirit-led. We're going to get in that. But if somebody is led by their flesh, they're going to get their feelings hurt every time you look at them wrong, say the wrong thing, or do the wrong thing around them. All that means is that we've just got a little bit of flesh that we're dealing with. And so when, when we're talking about the flesh or the spirit, there's no middle ground. 
God does not have a middle ground for flesh versus spirit. You can't be half and half. You can't be, you know, I think they sell that kind of tea, sweet tea at Chicken Express. Uh, half unsweet and half sweet, because the sweet tea is really sweet. And the unsweet tea is, you know, it's like drinking charcoal. So the half and half makes it a little bit okay, makes it better. So the half and half, but with God, there's no half and half. You can't walk in the flesh at 8.05 and then get in the spirit at 8.10 and then get back in the flesh at 8.15. You're, you're operating in one or the other. Amen? And again, the one that you're operating in is not God's fault. Whether you operate in the flesh or the Spirit is not your pastor's fault. Whether you're walking in fullness of joy is not God's fault. Whether you're walking in the Spirit is not God's fault. God has made the Spirit readily available to all of us. But your flesh is also readily available. And far too many people camp out in the flesh. Again, there's no middle ground. You can't be half flesh, half spirit, or half spirit, half flesh. Which one are you operating in? Do you get offended easily? Hmm? Do we get angry, bitter, jealous, envious? Come on. Which one are we operating in? And that'll, that, those things will tell you, and we're going to begin to unpack those things, but first we're going to highlight the difference between walking in the Spirit and walking in the flesh. Because what, what we see is um, in our modern day Christianity, most people, I believe, walk in the flesh. Most people walk in the flesh. Um, walking in the flesh, it, it, you will um, live or die by the praise of others. If you walk in the flesh, you're going to live or die by the opinion of others. If somebody likes you or not, if somebody calls you or not, if somebody cares or not, right? What do you, let's think about Jesus. I mean, any time that you're reading the Word of God or studying something like this, Always examine it in light of Christ. And think about Him. Do you remember a time in His life when everybody walked away from Him? He said, are you going to go too? Right? Mass departure from the living Christ. What did He do? Did He say, well, I try and I try and I try and nobody's receiving it I mean I, I, I don't know what else to do I have given and given and given and given myself do you think he said that do you think it's possible he said that no why because he wasn't walking in the flesh was he now if it was us and all of our disciples left us what would we do I mean, I'm being honest. Be real. I'm not picking on you. I, I battle the flesh too. We all battle the flesh and the Spirit. Right? There's times we all say, I, I try and I try and I try. I do and I do and I do. And nothing's working or nothing's changing. You know how you are with somebody that just isn't there yet? You ever tried to pray for somebody that doesn't desire God yet? That's a long, hard road. But if you're faithful, God will honor your prayers. I know He will. You keep praying. One of my favorite stories, uh, you know, uh, one of Lindsay's pastors, he said, you know, this one lady was coming to his church and her husband did not want her to go to church. Amen? And he was a drunk and he was abusive and she would not miss church. And he would always mess with her about going to church. And one day, he was so mad at her, he, uh, he took her keys. It was raining. And he took her keys and threw them out behind the fence into the levee. Said, you're not going to church. And he slammed her against the wall. 
And she got up off the ground and walked in the rain all the way to church. Right? And he was drunk. Well, what did he do? He felt bad. He went and got the keys. He went up there to church, sat on the back row. He said he had to figure out what was so good about that church because she just kept going. And this was years. This wasn't all in one week. We're talking like seven, eight years of this drama. And she prayed for her husband, faithful. Pray for her husband, faithful. Always walking in the Spirit, praying for her husband, being sweet, being gentle, being kind, being compassionate, you know, not being judgmental, not running him down, just being a godly wife. And then he walked, he, after eight years, he finally walked in the doors of the church, sat in the back row, and he got saved while he was drunk. That's the gospel truth. And he became later an associate pastor at the church. God changed him. You know what, though? That woman did not allow her flesh to get in between him and what God was doing. She had every opportunity to say, I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I'm done with you. Right? But she did what she was supposed to do as a godly wife. She prayed and prayed and prayed and exhibited Christ-likeness as a godly spouse. And she did not allow herself to come in between what God was doing and this guy's heart. And all in one moment, all her prayers were answered. Boom! God sobered him up. God removed the desire for alcohol from him, changed him. And the guy just, I mean, he was an awesome preacher. They did street services. This guy was preaching at them, played the guitar for the music, for the worship team, became associate pastor. Amazing what God did in this guy's life. And that's why, that's not the only reason why you want to do it. But one of the reasons why you don't want to walk in the flesh is because you don't want to come in between what God is doing with somebody. You know? If I walk in the flesh and, I, and I'm saying, you know what? You know, I, I, I try and I try and I try for you. And you just don't get it. Right? What am I doing? I'm throwing this person under the bus. Because I'm in the flesh, I'm pulling them down in the flesh. Right? instead of being in the Spirit. So that's why it's important to do. But, um, but you're going to be doing one or the other. You're, gonna, you're, you're either going to walk in the Spirit or you're going to fulfill the lust of your flesh. Now, in the Bible, there's really only one time that flesh is looked at in a godly way. Really only one time, and that's in Ezekiel. That's when, when God talks about removing the heart of stone and putting in the heart of flesh. That's talking, that's a, that is a, a parable or a picture of what salvation is and how, you know, before you're saved, you have a stony heart. Nobody can get through to you. You don't care. You don't love. You're not overjoyed. You're not walking in peace. But then when God saves you, you have a heart of flesh. And every time you begin to go this way, God pricks your heart and you get back right. And then every time you start going this way, God pricks your heart and you come back this way. That, that's the only time flesh is looked at in a good light. So when we're talking about, you know, not fulfilling the lust of the flesh, we're talking about our carnal nature or our human nature or our sinful nature. Every time somebody says human nature, if you want to think theologically, every time somebody says, you know, don't worry about Bobby, he, that's just his nature. That's his sin nature. Every time somebody uses the word human nature, think in your mind, sin nature. Because all it is, that's their flesh. All they're exhibiting is a natural comeback from their flesh. Right? What, what is a comeback on the flesh? You hit me, I'm going to hit you. What is it in the spirit? Turn the other cheek. Right? You, you, you talk about my wife, I'm going to talk about your wife. Right? You want to escalate it? I'll escalate it, buddy. That's flesh. That's what the flesh does. What does that mean? That's just human nature. That's what everybody does. You talk about anybody's wife, they're going to talk about you back. You hit anybody, they're going to hit you back. Right? But when you're walking in the Spirit, it's different. Walking in the Spirit, it's different. Which, I got a few stories on that, but I'm going to leave that alone. All right, 
Turn with me to, to um, 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter two, verse 11. All right. It says, "Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from what kind of lust?" fleshly lusts. Why? Why should you do it? Just because God wants you to be boring? Vanilla? Why should, why should you abstain from the things of the flesh? Because they war against the soul. It says, which war against the soul. So there is an attack on your soul. And here specifically, we're talking about the, the spiritual vigor or vitality of your soul, your soul's condition. If you allow the flesh to win, your soul will go, oh, and you're not going to feel like praying. You're not going to feel like studying the Word of God. You're not going to feel like bearing your cross. You might wear it, but you won't bear it. Because if you allow your flesh to be indulged, it is warring against your soul. So every single time that we allow our flesh to indulge a little bit, our soul suffers. Can you see that? It, it, it's like you're in a war, but you don't realize it. The, the war is raging against your soul even as we speak. Your flesh is telling you to tune me out. Your flesh is telling you to think about something you got to do after church. Or your flesh is telling you to think about the sound, the lights, the smell, the color of my shirt. Your flesh is warring against you even now as the preaching of the Word is going forward. And I know I'm teaching, but I preach teach. So you know me by now. But when, when the Word of God is being preached or taught, your flesh is going to rise up. Your flesh is going to do all that it can to distract you from receiving in fullness the Word of God sown into your spirit. There's a war against your soul. And you've got to fight back. Who's going to fight for you? In these things... In these things, if you'll surrender to God, you'll be victorious. But if you don't surrender yourself to God, guess what? You're going to get whooped. You've got to surrender yourself to God, not the flesh. The battle between your flesh and your spirit. We read that, right, in Galatians 5, verse 17? The flesh and the spirit, they lust against each other. They're at war with one another. It is full-on war inside of us. But most people are too naive and they just too nonchalant about it. And then you wonder, why I don't have joy like everybody else? Why has everybody else got peace? You know, I hear them talk about peace. I hear people talk about joy. I hear people talk about, you know, that, that in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. I wish I knew what that was like. I mean, I, I, I remember about 10 years ago, I had that one moment with God, and it just felt like the sky parted. And it felt like the dove came down, the dove of joy. And it just felt like joy just rose up all around me. But it was 10 years ago. Oh, sweet memories. You know what? That doesn't have to be a memory. That could be a way that you live. But the choice is yours, whether you're going to indulge in the flesh or the spirit. And so, you know, th that's why this is important. But your flesh is going to tell you it's not that important. You don't have to pray. You don't have to study. You don't have to do that. I mean, if you want to be crazy, look, God didn't call you to be Billy Graham. So you don't have to be all that kind of serious about it. 
Just go to church. That's enough. That's what your flesh will tell you. And then if you settle on that plateau, guess what's going to happen? Then your flesh will tell you, you don't have to go to every service like, you know, like those crazy folks. I mean, they never miss a service. Pastor opens the door, they're there. You don't have to be like that. You can come every once in a while and still be all right. You see, you went from one plateau to down, to down another one. And then what's the next one? Well, I'll just listen on the radio. And then what's the next one? You know how it goes. And I'm just giving you one example of how the flesh and the spirit wage war. And, and you see it time after time after time after time. And if I could come and get inside some folks and fight for them, I would. But I can't. i got to fight my own battle. i got my own flesh to deal with. I've got to keep myself headed in the right direction. Nobody else can do it for me. I can't say, Lindsay, I need you to fight my flesh. She's got her own battle between her flesh and her spirit, Right? We've got to yield ourselves to the Spirit and walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. If you'll walk in the Spirit, you're not going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. It, 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 it really is that simple. God does not require you to know Greek and Hebrew in order to win the battle. God does not require you to memorize Bible verses to win the battle. Although knowing Greek and Hebrew is good, memorizing the Bible is good. What do you got to do to win the battle between the flesh and the spirit? All you got to do is walk in the spirit. That's it. That's it. You don't have to know Greek, Hebrew, or, or people that do. That's all you got to do. So let's look at that. Let's look over there at Romans chapter 8 real quick. Romans chapter 8. So here in, in, in Romans chapter 8, you're going to see a difference between the flesh and the spirit. Number one, number one difference is huge. Just beginning in verse number one. Just watch this. I mean, this theme really runs throughout the whole New Testament. But, but here, I, I want to highlight something. Uh, watch this in the first verse. It says, there is... Therefore, now, no condemnation. Everybody say, no condemnation. no condemnation. Good job. I think that was about 70%. No condemnation. No condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation. Do you know who condemns you? Satan. Night and day, he's condemning you. He's telling you, you didn't do good enough. You, are, you, 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 have, you have too many issues, you have this, you've done that. He's condemning you. But the Bible says, there is therefore now no condemnation, which it doesn't matter what the devil says about you, what does God say about you? Which one is more important in God's court? What, what the liar says? What the adversary says, what the slanderer says, or what God says. Which one is more important? It's more important what God has said. So there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Do you notice that there's not a period right there? Do you know how many people wish that there was a period right there? But do you know that the Word of God does not have a period right there? It clarifies who the Word of God considers not under condemnation. There's a clarification for who is not under condemnation. Nothing more, nothing less. Stay on subject. Don't let your mind go to the left or to the right. But who experiences no condemnation? It is those who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Those who are pressing in, not leaning out. Those who are pressing in, the, let me say, y'all, this will ring a bell with you. Those who are front sliding aren't backsliding, right? 
If you're front sliding, if you're walking in the Spirit, you're not going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. And those that do not experience this condemnation are simply put, those who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. What does it mean to, to walk after the Spirit? What does it mean to walk after the Spirit? It is simply put, to be led by the Spirit. It is that the Spirit is leading you and guiding you into all things. Not you. Not, I'm going to do what I want to do, because that's just what I want to do. It is consulting the Lord and making every decision, every thought process, every step I take in number one, consulting with God, laying my plans before God, and then going to the Word of God and making sure that my plans and the Word of God aren't hitting one another, but they're flowing the same way. Amen? If my plan is to become a millionaire by robbing a bank, I can have the best plan, I can make the best intention, I can say, and I'm going to tithe on it, right? I'm going to rob a bank, become a millionaire, and tithe so that we can finally, you know, get some stuff on the church. But if my best plan, even though I'm, it's spiritual to say you're going to tithe, right? I'm going to tithe on a million dollars. Y'all just watch. Everybody, whoa, look at that. Tithe on a million dollars. But how did I get it? How did I get it? Okay? So if I'm, if I'm walking in the Spirit, I am Spirit-led. And so what do I got to do? I've got to, Lord, this is on my heart. This is on my heart. I really feel like I need to rob a bank. Get a million dollars and tithe on it to your church, Lord. But then what do I do next? If, if, I, don't, if I run through that, red light. <laughs> what do I do next? I go to the Word of God and I make sure that the Word of God does not contradict my plans. I, what, how am I doing this? I'm laying my plans before the Lord and I am allowing the Spirit of God because you know who wrote that book? It wasn't men, it was the Spirit of God. So what am I doing? I am allowing the Word of God, I'm allowing the Spirit of God to lead me. I'm becoming Spirit-led. All my plans, all my things, all my ways, all my thoughts, I'm laying them bare before God, and if, if it's in there, I'm going for it. If it's not, I'm not. So I can't, I can't justify robbing a bank because the Word of God says not to steal. Right? The Word of God says that if you steal, you shouldn't eat. That him that, that stole steal no more. But, do you know how many people aren't Spirit-led? You know how many people aren't Spirit-led? Watch this. Turn, turn over there to John chapter 16. Let me show you something about the Spirit. I know, I got, there's more meat on that bone. We'll get back to it. We've got a few more verses. There's more meat on that bone, I promise you. Look over here at John chapter 16. Part of the right behind the best chapter in the Bible, Brother Prince. Right behind it. So you know it's got to be good because it's right behind the best chapter. All right. So John chapter 16, watch this. Look at verse number 13. Now we're about to make some uh, snowflakes mad, but it's okay. Verse 13. How be it when He... Everybody say He. Okay, so the Holy Spirit is number one, a person. This implies... I'm, I'm teaching you a little doctrine while we're going through this. This is how my sermons go. So number one, the Holy Spirit is a He. This implies personage. It doesn't say when it leads you. It says when He leads you. This is one of the main verses that we use to teach the Trinity. That there's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the persons, okay? The three personhood of the Trinity. The Father is a person, the Son is a person, and the Holy Spirit is He, person. 
It doesn't say it. Okay? Howbeit when he, oh, by the way, and it, it is masculine, it's not feminine. It, it doesn't say when she. No offense to women, but it doesn't say when she. So, you know, and it's the same thing with God the Father. God the Father is spoken of as a he. 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 Even though there's a certain denomination in America that just voted to no longer call God the Father he. Doesn't change the fact that he's still a he. And it doesn't change that the Holy Spirit is a he. Okay. How, how be it, and it, that doesn't mean that guys are better than girls. It's just who God is. That's it. Okay? Girls have a good too because the girls represent the church. The church is the bride of Christ. So, I mean, hey, everybody has a role. Okay, how be it when He, the Spirit of Truth, this is another name for the Holy Spirit. Okay, the Comforter, our God, our Teacher, Spirit of Truth. He, the Spirit of Truth. The Spirit of Truth is not an it, it's not an at, it's not a force, it's a He, it's a person. This is why He can be grieved. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit, He's a person. Okay? When He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all... What's that word? Truth. So the Spirit of truth, when He comes, will lead you into all truth. For He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. I'm going to stop right there for a second and just tell you this. When the Holy Spirit is leading a person, He leads them into all what? Truth. Okay, you got it. He leads you into all truth. So what He's not going to do is lead you to rob a bank. Right? Because He's going to lead me in truth, which is the Word of God. In case you're not sure about that, John 17 tells you, Jesus, I believe it's verse 16 or 17, maybe 13. It says, Sanctify them with thy word, and thy word is truth. Okay, so the Holy Spirit is going to lead you to live a life that flows in conjunction with the word of God, not in opposition to the word of God. So whenever a minister of God comes up to me and tells me, God told me to divorce my wife and marry the song leader, I know for a fact this guy ain't right. Amen. I know for a fact before I meet her, before I listen to all his reasons, because you know, well, it's, you know, I shouldn't have done it anyways, and I did this, and she did that, and everybody can do that, right? But what does the Word say? What does the Word say? And once we know what the Word says, now we know whether we're being led by the Spirit of truth or not. Now we know whether we're being Spirit-led or flesh-led. And, 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 and this person... I'll get it out. And this person... This person is not being Spirit-led. Because they're living a life in opposition to the Word of God, to the truth, to the bottom line. And so that's why it's so important to know the Word of God. So that you can know when you have this thought. You know, we really, you know, I, w I wish we could send more money to Brother Lucian and all those churches. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to rob a bank and tithe to the church. Because, you know, I'd like to pay my house off anyway, so... I'll, uh, I'll do that. That's what I'll do. And I'll tithe. In fact, I might even give 20%. I give a double tithe. But if, if I'm founded in the Word of God, which is the truth, you know what? I'm going to know that that thought's not from God. And I'm not going to pursue it. But my safeguard for all of the thoughts, my safeguard for all of the intents of my heart, my safeguard is the Word of God. Amen. 
I don't need to consult my pastor. And I'm not knocking you calling me. I'm not. You call me if you need to. But I don't need to call my pastor and say, is it wrong to rob a bank? Because number one, I've got the Holy Spirit. And number two, I'm submitted to His Word. And number and, and the Spirit of God is not going to lead me in that. It's going to convict me of it. And then secondly, the Spirit of God is going to show me in the Word of God that that's wrong. Amen? Amen. So I'm giving a silly example, right? I'm giving a silly example. None of us in here thinks it's all right to rob a bank. We all learned that in Sunday school, Brother Prince. Thank you. We all learned that in Sunday school. But think about this. Being spirit-led or led of the flesh, what about those times that somebody steals your parking spot? Mm-hmm. What about those times when somebody sits on your pew in your spot? They know I want to sit there. I've been sitting there for, right? I've been sitting there for eight years, and they, they know that they're just doing that to get under my skin, right? Actually, they were just trying to get away from the fan. And they're used to me just preaching over here all the time, right? So they're tired of turning. So they just want to. Go. They're not trying to steal your spot, right? But if we're if if we're led of the Spirit, we'll say, "Oh, they must have a reason for doing that. No big deal." But if we're flesh led, we're going to think about that the whole time instead of sermon, right? They're they're just trying to get under my skin. It's because last week I didn't say hi to them. I was too busy. I was hungry. Whenever we were leaving church, I didn't say hi. Now I know why they're doing that, what they're doing. They're sitting in my spot because I didn't say hi. And the whole time we're running through all that, all those thoughts, the Spirit is speaking the whole time, but we're not listening because we're too busy indulging the flesh. Now I'll go slash their tires. Did pastor put cameras in the parking lot? Where's that blind spot at? I'm going to go borrow a knife from the kitchen real quick. You see how your flesh can get indulged? Right? And, and then you'll say, oh, I shouldn't do that, but at least I thought it. Now I'm going to bring it full circle on you. Remember the thing I told you about lasciviousness? I didn't tell the dirty joke, I just laughed at it. I didn't slash her tires. I just wished I would have. Come on. When, when that person was leaving, I saw them trip. I didn't want them to fall, but I thought it'd be kind of neat if they did. Come on. This is... I'm, I'm giving you silly examples, but this is how flesh is indulged inside the church. You know how flesh is indulged out there, right? You know how it is out there. But it can be just as easily indulged inside the walls of the church. In fact, in a lot of places, it, it, it's commonplace. It's commonplace. So the, the key to it is walking in the Spirit and not in the flesh. And, and, and let me just show you one last time, and, and I'm gonna, I'll, I'll come full circle to that place in Galatians 5. But look what it says here. It says that the Spirit of truth will guide you into all truth. So this is, this is simply put, how do you... Now, who, who is He, by the way? Who is the Spirit of truth? Who is the Comforter? Who is our God? Who is our Teacher? Who is the Spirit of truth? Who is the He talking about right there? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. So if I'm Spirit-led, I'm going to allow the Spirit of truth to order my steps. If I'm Spirit-led, I'm going to allow the Word of God to lead and guide me. Look at you. You braved this torrential rain to come out to church on a Wednesday night. And I didn't even have to beg you. Why? 
Because the Spirit led you here. Pastor didn't lead you here. Your flesh didn't lead you here. What led you here? Hmm? I mean, I, I, I could call you and say, I'm trying so hard, I'm studying so hard, I, I really wish you would come. I, I mean, I could do that, couldn't I? But you'd be coming for the wrong reason. Right? It'd be a flesh show. It'd be a flesh show. I'd be operating in my flesh, you'd be operating in yours. But God didn't call us to do that. God called us to walk in the Spirit. Right? And it, it wasn't... I didn't make you feel guilty about coming to church tonight. Nobody made you feel guilty. You just came. And it wasn't your flesh that led you here. It was your Spirit. The Holy Spirit. So, you know, you won the war tonight. But remember, the flesh... Wars against your soul. That's a daily process. Right? And some people, they just couldn't get out of that torrential rain. They had to shack up. Board up the house. Okay, where'd my Bible go? Okay, there we go. Let's go back to Galatians 5 real quick. Galatians 5. It's not good when you come up here and there's no Bible. I ain't got nothing to say if there's no Bible. I don't have nothing to say. I heard my mom correct me in my head. I don't have nothing to say if I don't have my Bible. All right. Okay, look what it says. Okay, we're we're closing right here. Let me just bring this full circle. Here's the deal. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For if the, all right. For if the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. The flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. There's the battle. There's the battle. Your battle's not between me and you. Your battle's not between you and that other lady in the church. The, the battle's not between you and the other singer in the church. It's in your soul. I showed you 1 Peter 2.11. You need to grab that. The flesh, it wars against your soul. And there's the battle. Okay? But the answer is in verse 16. The answer is in verse 16. Even though the battle rages, and it rages in all of us here. All of us here, that battle is raging in us. Our spirit and our flesh are at war. The battle rages. Every day you wake up and you're still in your earthly house, you're going to have that same war going on. But if you'll walk in the spirit, and you remember how I d define that? Being Spirit-led and allowing the Word of God to go before you. Okay, I'm going to go rob a bank. Well, I'm not following the Word of God. Right? So I'm not walking in the Spirit. There's another aspect to this. We'll get into it next time. But it is this. Walking in the Spirit is an action. It's a verb. It's a verb, right? It's a verb. This is going somewhere. This is doing something. This is actually taking our faith out of a page of a book and putting it into motion. Walking in the Spirit, listen to this, and I'll close. Walking in the Spirit is not knowing the right thing to do, but doing the right thing. Got it? Do you know how many people know the right thing to do? Everybody that went to Sunday school. Luke, 20 years ago, I mean, everybody went to church. Lots of folks went to church. I remember, I remember when I grew up, it, you know, there was only maybe 10 people in, in my school that didn't go to church. And you know, nowadays, there's probably like 10 people in that school that do go to church. It's completely flip-flopped in our younger kids, right? 
Where was I going with that? But you see, <laughs> Sister Lucy, <laughs> you see, the flesh and the spirit, they lust against each other. And that's where the battle is. And if you're submitted to the Word of God, He's going to lead you and guide you into all truth. He's going to tell you what to do, when to do it. Right? And He's going to supply all that you need. Amen? Amen? But, here's the problem. It's taking it from here and fleshing it out. Taking it from here, fleshing it out. So, you know you shouldn't do this, but it's different not doing this. And there's more to it. I mean, it, 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 I'm... I'm Whenever I preach, I really try to simplify things because I just think that's the, the problem in a lot of church. It's because we church up our messages. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what it means to church up a message? It means to use $5 words and $3 words all the time and talk over people when what we need to do is simplify it so we can understand it, grab it, and use it in our daily walk. That's how we gain victory. But here's the problem. I could explain to you, you know, to the best of my ability, through the Spirit of God, I could explain to you step by step how to forgive and love your enemy. But there comes a point in time, no matter how well a preacher explains truth to you, there comes a point in time you must walk it out. You might know exactly every step it takes to love your enemy, but it still doesn't mean that you do. It's not as effective. Yeah, it's, it's not walking in the Spirit. There's a huge difference between knowing what to do and doing the right thing. Huge difference. In fact, it's all the spiritual difference in the world. All the spiritual difference in the world. Think about it like this. Third closing. Think about it like this. How many of you know it's wrong to lie? Because why? Liars have their part in the lake of fire. But how many of you know that it's more important not to lie than to know that you shouldn't lie? Hmm. You could get taught as a kid not to lie. You can, teach, you can make a kid memorize. I mean, not make them. I guess you could make them, but you can make a kid memorize. Thou shalt not lie. But it don't mean that they're not going to lie. This is the difference in the law and the Spirit. We're going to get in that next time, okay? Difference in the law and the Spirit. All right. Any questions or comments? Not everybody at once.